Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Have a good time. Amen at that. Amen. So be a part of it. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. And I want to read just a few verses of scripture there. The Bible says the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Amen. If now, if we can and just skip over to chapter 19, if you will. Chapter 19 and, and verse number 10. Chapter 19 and verse number 10. The Bible says, then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee. Amen. For a little while this morning, with the help of the Lord, I'd like to minister this. The beauty in broken things. The beauty in broken things. Amen. Can we pray one more time today in the house of the Lord? Father, we come to you this morning. We're so grateful, Lord, for being able to be here today. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, every heart, every mind, and every soul that have come together. Lord, that you're able to touch us afresh, God, by your word and educate us, Lord, by your word. And let your spirit do the work, God, that the spirit can do, Lord Jesus, in this place today. I pray, O oh Lord, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, in some measure and way that we would know, Lord, what the will of the spirit would be, God, for our individual lives. God, strengthen us, Lord Jesus today and we'll give the glory and the honor for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen Amen. you may be seated this morning the beauty the beauty in broken things Jeremiah here has been spoken to by the word of the Lord as oft times the spirit of God did minister to Jeremiah he was oft times coming to him said I want you to go down to the potter's house We understand at this time in which Jeremiah is a prophet and prophesying that God's people are in a situation that they have grown somewhat dull of hearing concerning the voice of the Lord. They have come somewhat callous to the voice of the Lord, but uh, Jeremiah was sent to be a voice in that type of society, in that type of age, even though maybe in many instances they did not turn the other way did not even hearken, but he wasn't there to make them hearken. He was there just to sound the message. And so Jeremiah sounded his message very clear, and the Lord here comes to him another time, going to give him an illustration about what was happening to the house of Israel or what the potential or capability of happening to the house of Israel was. He said, I want you to go down to the potter's house. There's something you must understand. Potter's houses in that day was not like some uh, rare thing. It was, not, it was not like a little gem to be discovered. Potter houses were everywhere. Uh, pottery in that day uh, was not just something that, that's to be used as a container. It was a piece of technology. I know that's hard for us to understand and, and even begin to uh, contemplate but it was a piece of technology just as much as we would consider an iPhone today pottery was to them uh, back then people could take 
pieces or portions of pottery. And if they needed to transfer part of a fire, they could scoop it up in a pottery dish and, and transfer that. Or they would transfer water. It helped them with their means of life. And so potter houses were all around. And there were potters that were rotten works upon the wheel and potter fields from which they got their pottery. And so Jeremiah goes down to a potter's house that he by no means is, is foreign to. But while he's there, he's not there to deliver a sermon. He's there to get one. And so while he's there and watching the potter rot a work on the wheels, there normally being a smaller wheel at the top and a larger wheel at the bottom, that the potter would kick that, that wheel with his feet to cause the spinning of the top wheel where the clay would be laid. He said he went down there and he was rotting a work on the wheel, the potter was, and he was making a vessel of this clay that was on on the potter's wheel. And if, if you know anything or ever watched the, the ancient work of a potter at a wheel where there's basket weaving and everything else and you went and seen them do the pottery, they, they put that, that, that clay right in the middle of the wheel and they, they, they add plenty of water for the working of that clay and that potter if you watch him he's he's putting his hands most part on the outside and the inside to even out the pressure that he's applying on the outside he's working on the inside as well to make a a vessel or a vase or a vase however you wish to say that upon the wheel and so he'll be fashioning that with his hands and the bible says though as this piece of clay was being made that it became marred in the hands of the potter before the clay ever met its place upon the wheel, there was some work that had to be done to the clay. Uh, we understand throughout the Bible, it even speaks of how the clay would oftentimes be worked with the feet of those that treaded out the clay. Sometimes there were workers, but sometimes it was the potter himself that was treading out the clay, treaded it with his feet but he formed it and designed it with his hands. And so he would be working there and getting all the imperfections and the bubbles and the aggregate, if you will, out of the clay so it would be a good vessel. And so as he's working on the wheel, making a vessel that he would desire and want, the Bible says that it becomes marred. And there's something I want you to understand. The marring is not a result of the hands of the potter. The marring is just a result of the nature of the clay just the nature of the clay to have a bend maybe some imperfections that that that, that were oversight perhaps that came to surface and it became marred in the hands of the potter and one just viewing this and taking this all in not not taking the shape from the pressure that the potter would have what what are we going to do with this marred clay what are we going to do with it there's there's plenty of clay out there in the field what what are we going to do with this marred clay and the bible says that the potter rather than discarding the clay rather than throwing it aside to the heap of rubbish the bible says that he makes it again another vessel everyone say another vessel he makes it again a, another vessel as seemeth good to the potter to make. He, he wasn't going to discard the clay because it had become marred. He, he wasn't going to cast it aside or say it is good for nothing and it can't be made into anything. No, the master potter knows this, that I can just add a little bit more pressure. I can find the place where the imperfection is and we can work that out. Add a little bit more water, if you will, in order to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. And I can make it again another vessel. Amen. Throughout scripture, you and I have been linked to this idea of being clay in the hands of the potter. 
The Bible speaks about, are we going to cry out to the one that is forming us? Hey, what are you doing? What are you making me into? It has a very very depictive picture of us being the clay in the hands of a potter. And so when Jeremiah seen the working of the wheel and the clay upon the wheel, the Lord spoke to him and said, this is the whole house of Israel. And if I can remake as the potter is remaking the clay, I can remake the whole house of Israel. It's really the story of our lives of clay upon the potter's wheel sometimes coming to a place that we are marred. But the important thing of the matter is this. We are marred, but we're still in the hands of the potter. Amen. We're marred, but we're marred existing in the hands of the potter. You've entered and we've all entered into this life under the Adamic curse that there is sin in our life. It's a part of our nature, a part of who and what we are because of the first sin of Adam and Eve. And so we're born into this world with our imperfections. We're born into this world with those things, an aggregate, if you will, those those things that would cause us to become marred upon the wheel of the potter's hand. Circumstances of our life have become to mold us and shape us. And many times we come to a place that it seems there's nothing else that can be done with us. But sir or ma'am, let this be known today. You didn't just get in the hands of the potter when you walked into a church house doors. You were in the hands of the potter from the very beginning of your life you were beautifully wonderfully made he he had his hands on you from the beginning and if there is any marring in the process if there's any imperfection that would arise you can stand here today with the assurance that I started in the hands of the potter and right now in my moment of imperfection I'm in the hands of the potter and if there's anybody that can work out what needs worked out the potter has the ability to do that. I like it because the Bible says he made it again another vessel. Started into this life as a vessel. The book of Corinthians tells us he makes vessels of honor and dishonor. By starting into this life as a particular vessel. That vessel that did have a certain element of sin and shame and guilt that was associated with it. That became marred in the hands of the potter. But the Bible says he made it again another vessel. And from my understanding, what they would do then is they they would just flatten that clay right back down to the wheel. Anything that was formed in it formally, however, what shape it was taken formally, it didn't matter at that moment. He would just flatten that thing right back down to the wheel and start shaping anew and again. There came a point in my life and there can come a point in your life that if it seems like you're taking the the shape, if you will, of a vessel of dishonor, that if we'll allow God to, he'll just smash us down to the wheel and make it another vessel. I was born once into this world, into this life of sin, but I can be made into another vessel if I'll be born again into this world by the water, by the water, and by the Spirit. He can make it anew. He can make it afresh. Amen. And he can make it that which seemeth good unto the potter. Amen. Can I say this? There's no marred clay worth throwing away. There's no marred clay worth throwing away. Now that's great. That's whenever clay is still supple. 
That's when clay has not yet been put in the kiln. That's whenever clay is still very, very soft and malleable in the hands of the potter that it's speaking of here in Jeremiah chapter 18. As a matter of fact, a little bit later in Jeremiah 19, the other verse that I read to you, the Lord was wanting to tell or depict something to the house of Israel because of the hardness of their heart. This is Old Testament times. He said, now, Jeremiah, I want you to go get an earthen bottle, an earthen vessel. I want you to get it, and I want you to take it before the people. And whenever you get there, excuse me, whenever you get there, I want you to break that bottle in the sight of all of the men as a potter would break a vessel. Because throughout the Old Testament, earthenware or pottery, earthen jars, very, very fragile. Someone say amen. Tell you what, my allergies had time here whenever I've been preaching to show up. Amen. Hallelujah. But earthen, earthen vessels, earthen jars were very, very fragile. And uh, throughout the Old Testament times, they were known that if, for instance, in Leviticus, if there was something that uh, perhaps leprosy that broke loose. This is ridiculous. If, if leprosy was going to break loose within a house... If it got on a wooden vessel, they, they would scour it and they would wash it and they would cleanse it and it would be there for so long until they gave it the stamp of, of validity that it was clean. But whenever it came to earthen vessels, if that happened to an earthen vessel, there was just one thing that they decided they would do. They would just break the vessel. They broke it. It, it was broken. It, it, and it rendered it useless. It rendered it useless. It had no more form, had no more use. And there wasn't anything in the Old Testament times, listen to me very clearly, there wasn't anything in the Old Testament times, knowledge or the know-how of how to repair a broken earthen vessel. Through, through the Egyptians and the, the Assyrians, who, where pottery really goes back to, there was no way that you repaired a broken vessel. As a matter of fact, normally they would just take the broken shards of those vessels and they would continue to break them down and break them down till they were pulverized almost as powder mixed with some water and that was almost like a good sealing agent for, for cisterns and other things. So a broken vessel, there was no hope. For a vessel that had went through the fire, been made just firm, and then broke in some way or some fashion. That's the reason why in Jeremiah 19, the Lord was using that in the Old Testament as a very clear picture to the house of Israel. You, you become so hardened to me and such and that. Now, if I break you, there, there, is, there, there is a hopeless case that we're contending with. All these broken pieces, it, it no longer can function like it once functioned. And there's just brokenness. And, and, and just the only thing that you are going to see is more brokenness till you're pulverized. That, that's all there is to see. Even David in the Psalms, he cried out, at one time in his life, he was overwhelmed with what was going on uh, to him personally. And he said, I am as a broken vessel. That's what David said. It was the best that he could describe. Man, I feel worthless. I feel useless. And I feel like there's no way that this thing ever is going to get back together. So I'm just a, a, a broken vessel. And so you see that over and over again in the Old Testament times. A vessel was broken or one that is spoken is broken. It has no worth. It has no value. And there is no way of repair to bring that thing and put it back together. Right. No way. Yes. <laughs> no way. But whenever I read the scripture, and if you even get to the New Testament, but I read an Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number one. 
There's an Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah prophesying. He's prophesying of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's prophesying of the suffering servant, as he's all times called. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the building of the prison to them which are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was a prophecy that Isaiah was given concerning Jesus Christ. All those things seem pretty well capable of happening. All those things just through a, a human mindset is absolutely capable of taking place. Anyone, you would think, would be able to preach good tidings, amen, unto the meek. Anybody, you would think, would be able to give a proclamation, if you will, if they had the right authority and power, a proclamation of liberty to the captives and the opening of prison doors to those that are bound, proclaiming the accept. Anybody may have that ability, but there's a little phrase in there that kind of troubles everyone, what sets this aside just from the normal person, and it says that they're able to bind up the broken hearted to be able to bind up the broken hearted because the idea all through the Old Testament scripture is that broken things are without value broken things can't be put back together broken things their, their life ends right there there is no more future for broken things but Isaiah being inspired by the spirit of the Lord is standing up in an hour where there is no hope for broken things and saying there is one that is going to come who's going to be able to take the broken the useless those that are considered invaluable and he's going to be able to bind it back up mm-hmm in so much that in Luke then, whenever Jesus Christ is walking upon the earth, he's just had his temptations and testings in the wilderness. He goes to the synagogue as his custom was. He was there. It was his turn that day as they would take turns to read from the Old Testament scripture. And the books are given to him. And as he reads, he reads from Isaiah where the book was open. They kept this in a very routine, just where they left off last Sabbath, they would pick up. And so it is just a miracle within itself that this intersected with the Lord's turn to read in the synagogue but he would begin to read from Isaiah Jesus Christ would and he would say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives the recovering of the sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord the Bible says that he gave that book then back to the priest he went and sat down and said today is is this fulfilled in your ears? Now what did not make sense to the Old Testament makes much sense here in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, there's a word that we see all throughout the New Testament. Sometimes it's called sincerity or sincere. That word literally means without wax. Because in the New Testament, under the Romans, in the New Testament, under the Greeks, they had means and ways for Healing, binding up, and correcting broken things. All right. Come on, yes. It was without wax because what they would do many times in their scenarios, they would take hot wax and they would put it in the cracks and the crevices of the broken things and let that dry. And whenever it dried, the vessel could stay congealed together. It wasn't following up, falling apart. And so it had wax in it that made a vessel that was broken whole again. But the problem with their procedure was this. When you put something hot within the vase, 
it would melt the wax and you had a broken vessel. Or if the sunlight hit the vessel just right, you could see all of that. See, whenever you use the wax in such a way, it was almost virtually indiscernible that the vessel had ever been cracked, that the vessel had ever been broken until heat of some matter got on the vessel and then it showed its true colors. And so being sincere without wax, see, people would you take broken vessels and put them back together, and it was almost as though they was trying to get something over on somebody because that looks like a vessel that's all together, but it, it, you can't tell it had any history. You can't tell it was ever broken. Amen. It was just kind of all hidden, but it couldn't function like it needed to function either. And so it was still quite useless whenever you tried to use it where it was intended to be used for. Someone say Amen. I'll get there in a moment, folks. God said, he said, you are the clay. I am the potter. In the Old Testament times, as it was, there was no cure for the brokenness of humanity. There was no cure for the brokenness of our lives. But we come to the New Testament scripture and age for that matter, and there is a cure for the brokenness. Amen. Isaiah said, he shall mend or bind up the brokenhearted. But here is the dismay, folks. I think sometimes we have taken our life in our own hands as some of those Romans and as some of those Grecians and we put wax in all the areas and the reason why is because we don't want anybody to know that we had been broken. We don't want anybody to know we've had a past. We don't want anybody to know about our guilt. We don't want anybody to know about our shame. Someone say amen. amen. Don't want anybody to know. And then you're still dealing with the, the mentality of those of generations gone by anyway. There's nothing that can be done with it. I was reading the other day, and this happened a few weeks ago. I don't know if anybody read this, but I, I believe it was last week, or not last week, last month it was. There was a report released of a 12-year-old Taiwanese boy stumbling and putting his fist through a 350-year-old painting that was valued at $1.5 million. Someone say, uh-oh. Matter of fact, there are a lot of reports like that. In 2006, a man tripped over his shoelace and smashed three 300-year-old Chinese vases that was on display in the United Kingdom. In 2010, a woman fell into a Picasso painting in New York, causing a 15-centimeter causing tear in a Picasso painting. In 2012, a Dublin man damaged a Monet painting in Ireland valued over $10 million. was given a six-year prison sentence. Took them 18 months to repair it. One enthusiast concerning all these things said this. He said, once these works are damaged, they're permanently damaged. Yet in these instances, people that are professionals in restoration have taken the hole where the fish went through, mended it, got the color scheme just right, and to the natural eye of us who are amateurs would not even know any difference. Mm -hmm. They said they're permanently damaged. That's the mindset of the Old Testament. They're permanently damaged. Nothing can be done about the broken. Listen, I stand here today and I'm looking at a bunch of broken. A bunch of broken vessels. And you know what that does for me? That tells me that you have a history. 
that I have a history. A few weeks ago, my wife and the kids, they dropped by after she picked the kids up from school. I have in my office a little sword, maybe about that long. It's not sharp. But Trevor had it. He was handling it. He's done this several times. Unknown to me, he took it out of my office. It's small. Again, about maybe a foot long with, with the half and the blade together. And it's, it, all it is is a de- I'm, no, I'm making someone really scared to let my son have a sword. It's a decorative letter opener, okay, folks? <laughs> Somebody about ready to call child services on me here. It's a decorative letter opener, all right? As a matter of fact, the girl that used to be my girlfriend, who's now my wife, had gotten it for me during her trip to Italy when she was in college. And so Trevor had this sword, had it on different occasions. Being a boy as a boy it is, he's drawn to the sword, all right? And he just, he just liked to play with it and act like he was doing stuff. But this time out here, and I didn't know he brought it out here. Don and I was talking in the office. He came out here and he pushed it against the floor and it bent the sword. Well, my wife scolded him for playing with it firstly. That's partly my fault because I let him do it. But ultimately bending that sword and she explained to him how meaningful it was to us and now how it was an emblem. You know, it was the emblem of that segment of our lives, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Needless to say, we were both just a little upset. About all that took place. So I took it. Brother Cook, the best I knew how, I grabbed both ends of that thing and I pushed back the other direction and straightened it, Brother Terry, to the best of my ability. But, and it could still open letters, folks, if I desired it to. But the point is it had opened her letters. <laughs> letters I received from her. Now, I took you to my office after church. Most of you wouldn't even notice anything wrong unless you got close enough, and then you might be able to see a little slight bend in the blade. Amen. Or I bent it back, but there's still a little crease right there. And here's the reality of the story. I can't fix that. I can't remove that. But that bend in the blade now has just become a part of the history of the sword. In the moment, it's kind of upsetting to me about what happened but brother Fred that has now become part of the history of the sword and in the future I'll look back and I'll remember two things about that number one I used to open letters from my wife with that she got that for me from Italy number two the bend in it's going to remind me of a little boy that's going to probably be growing up and out of the house by then it's it's going to remind me of all of those things Let me tell you this morning, you don't have to hide your cracks and crevices of your past. All they are is a testament to your history where you once was, what you once came through, what you once faced, how you thought you wasn't going to make it, but you came out on the other. You don't have to cover that up. You don't have to ignore that. You don't have to disguise that. That's a part of who you are. That's a part of your history. No hope in the Old Testament. But there is hope in the New Testament. He's come to bind up the broken. Has the ability to do for the broken. Even still yet today, folks, and you can look at it. Trying to find the right thing to heal or mend broken pottery is something that's very rare. Not anything can bind pottery to pottery. Not just anything. 
They say you can get epoxy, and epoxy sometimes can do it. Amen, but that's a little bit messy. You get epoxy in there, you got it flattened out and all that. But there's another, there's another way that I came across just a few weeks ago. And, 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 it, and it's from the Japanese. It's the Japanese. It's, it's an art of theirs that they do in order to fix broken goods like pottery or china or, or porcelain and things of that matter. It's called kintsugi. I don't speak Japanese. Brother Mace can probably come out here and get us all straight. But it's kintsugi. It's the art of kintsugi. And what they do, they take these broken objects, broken pieces of pottery, and they believe and they revere that it is more important to restore a broken piece than it is to discard a broken piece. They are of the persuasion. It's a 500-year-old craft. It's a 500-year-old art. What they do, they have some type of lacquer, Brother Terry McGee, that they, they put in the cracks and the crevices in order to put the pieces of the pottery back together. But what they do with that lacquer, they have some gold dust, literal gold dust that they have over here to the side. You may have seen some of these pieces before. And they'll take a brush and they'll dip it in the gold dust and mix it with the lacquer. And they go along that crack in that crevice and they don't try to hide the crack because the gold just makes the crack that much more evident. It brings attention, if you will, to the crack. And the man that works in this type of work, he told us very plainly, amen, he said, we're good at making beautiful things, but they're beautiful things that's made from broken things. He said, we're good at making beautiful things. This is what this was a 27-year-old. He was the, the, the youngest craftsman that they got. He says, we're good at making beautiful things. He said, but we're not good at making money because there's not too many guys that want to be a craftsman because we don't make a lot of money. What he was saying was this. He said, whenever you consider the time that we have involved, the price for the lacquer, the price for the absolutely real gold powder that we mix in that, he said, it costs the craftsman more than the one that needs the rest, reg, rest, restoration. It costs me more to fix it than it does, amen, for them to have to pay for it getting fixed. What he was saying is this, I've invested more money in the broken than what I could even require back. I'm here to tell you this morning that your God has taken you and your life and he's invested more, he's put more interest, more time in you than what he could ever require back from you for that matter than what you could even pay. But he has an interest and a being toward broken broken things. It's the broken. And in this episode, they're not trying to glaze over with wax or hide the crack. They're trying to bring prominence to that. Uh -huh. And they treasure those things more so than a lot of new items that someone would buy. We're, we're in the age of just to throw away. If it breaks, throw it away, get a new one. But their mindset is this. There's a story told with that vessel. There's a story of its life. There's a story of its ancestry that's told with that vessel. You can't throw it away just because it's broken. Because you do that, you throw away all of its history. You throw away all of its story. I'm here to tell you today, there's not one vessel sitting among us this morning. Amen. That is going to be devalued and put into the side of debris. God said there's something. If we throw that away, we throw away their story. We throw away their history. We throw away everything that they had been and showing what they can be. No, I'm going to take some gold and fill in the cracks. 
I'm going to bring prominence to the broken places of their life. I'm going to embolden them. I'm going to embolden them and show you what a master craftsman can do with something that's broken. There is beauty in broken things. What's he saying? He's saying embrace the flaw. Embrace the imperfection. No, Christman says because when people look at that, they see that glittering gold that's in those cracks and crevices. But greater than that, they remember the history of the vessel because it's still before their eyes. It's still before their eyes. It's still in existence. They see the history of the vessel. And so the beauty to the owner isn't even so much the gold that now fills the cracks as much as it is. That thing that had a history can still have a future. Don't cut yourself off at the past right here. Don't you dare give up on yourself. Don't you dare give up on your circumstances and give up on your life. Can I say don't give up on your marriage if that's where you're at. Don't give up on those things. Hey man, it's, this is not the day where it stops. This is the day where it's restored. This is the day where it's revived. This is the day where there's a future given to where others say there is no future. There is no hope. There is no, this is the day. Because there are people. There's no possibility. But Christ said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. He wasn't talking to a bunch of perfect people. He was speaking to a bunch of broken people that had hang-ups, that had problems. He says, there's still a lot of living before you. This is not the end. So I scream hope to you today. I scream hope to you today. And the Old Testament, it was only if you were still soft, only if you were still pliable, that you could be made again another vessel. That was the only hope. But in the New Testament, there is a revelation, a reality, that even those things that were formed by the kiln of fire, if they are broken, they can be put back together. And there can be some enlightenment, there can be some passion emblazed upon the areas of their life that are broken. And you might be sitting here this morning and came and said, Brother McGee, that's me. I'm too hard. I'm too set in my way. I'm too rigid. No, 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 you're not. Not so much that a potter couldn't get a hold of you and somehow fill in all the voids and fill in everything that's missing or malaligned and make it beautiful. Vessel unto himself. Someone say Amen. Got to find, got to find the beauty and the broken things of life. Embrace them. You know what happened? Where this type of, this type of idea of those broken things being able to be mended, what started to happen literally in history, there were collectors that started to collect these broken dishes now with this gold trim that was in them. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these dishes like that. They are quite, it's just bizarre to see a vein of gold go through a dish. Real gold, mind you. That collectors were so enamored by this, this new art and this thing that was happening. And, and, 
how much they were going for. That they started purposefully breaking dishes. I'm serious. You can read history. They started purposefully breaking dishes so the artisan could repair them. Because there's something that started to flood across them. People found more beauty in the broken than they did the whole. It's one thing how you're valued and who you are all by yourself. But it's another thing when something's been added to you by the potter. He's not taking away. He's adding something to you. Amen. The the apostle Paul said in Corinthians, he said, we have this glorious treasure in these earthen vessels. I know in a literal way they kept money and they kept shekels and gold inside those earthenware. But I wonder if there was even maybe a little lint toward this type of fix, mind you. That there's a glorious treasure, a little vein of gold that's put in earthen vessels that were once broken. Amen. With no worth, no value, no use whatsoever. More worth. More worth. And this is the case. They tell you, our people tell you this. You know, if, if there are... If there are 10 works of art that are exactly the same and one has the fist go through it, one gets marred and it gets restored. Do you know many times they say that makes the value of that particular one not go down, but go up. Why? Because it is a stamp of uniqueness aside from the other 10. Sister Sheila, I might not be broken like you've been broken. Life's maybe not served me like it served you, Sister Samantha. But that doesn't make your value less than mine. That makes your value just as high or more than mine because you've been broken differently. That makes you unique. Just because you've had whatever series of events in y'all's lives to come to this point, that doesn't make you less valuable. That makes you more. Because we walk in with the idea, man, look at this mess. The potter says, boy, there's going to be a lot of gold showing through on this one. This is going to be a value. Bring your broken hearts. Bring your broken dreams. Bring your broken lives to the Lord this morning. He's here. He's sitting at the wheel. His hands are prepared. He wants to get his hands on the vessel again. You just wait and see what I can do with this. I can make beauty out of the broken things. If you'll stand with me today. Uh. And again, folks, aside, aside from the other way that they fixed them of wax, where they try to hide the imperfections. And still yet have not the function. In this way. In this way. The cracks are highlighted. But they have a functionality and a use. So where would you rather stand? Be able to walk through and just have all your scars hidden. But not be able to function. Or would you rather have those areas highlighted. And be useful to the master. I tell you what. Rather than keeping my cloak around me, I think I'd rather just let him highlight the areas where I did wrong, where I sinned, where I said that word or done that deed and be able to be of some use to the master. 
and I can have the trial of fire or heat or whatever and it isn't going to make no doesn't make doesn't make any matter doesn't matter at all oh but look at that look you can see everywhere that it was cracked yeah but it can hold water it can transfer fire it can do all those things it can do all those it can do all those things yeah and look it's plain to see that somewhere along the way it's been broken. And transport water, it can, it can carry fire. Yeah, but look at it. It's also been broken. How can that happen? You can happen. It can happen whenever you don't minimize your past. You embrace it, say, yeah, that's a part of me. This, this, this is just an identity of the history of where I've been. But look at the gold vein that's now there. Look at the gold vein that's now there. I believe I stand among people today that's been at that walk, that spot with the Lord, that they've came in with the pieces of their lives in their hands. They've even pondered, how can I get this? How, how can I get this together? Going to a church of 30-year Pentecostal people. Hear me. They got it all together. They never had no headaches or hang-ups or... How can I go in there? How can I put the wax just right? So nobody will know that I'm not all that. Sir, ma'am, I hope when you walk in this place, you start seeing gleaming gold on other people's lives that says, hey, I've been cracked too. I've, I've fell and I've been broken too. You're not, let me, you're not coming in the house of the self-righteous. You're coming in the house of his righteousness. If you look at me, I hope you see where the potter's gold has laid upon my life. That's not my righteousness. That's his righteousness. Don't hide it. Don't hide, don't hide the addiction of the past. Don't hide the promiscuous lifestyle of the past. Don't hide all those things of the past. Just come to the master potter this morning. What was incapable in the old is capable in the new. He's wanting to bind up. He's wanting to bind up. He's wanting to bind up you today. If we bow our heads all across this place, these altars are open this morning. There's somebody that says, Pastor McGee, that's me. That's me. I, I stand here with all of you today. Uh, some of y'all might be all put together and I see the glimmering of the gold but I'm not put together yet God here I am I, I got my broken pieces Lord I got them all right here whatever you can do with them do with them I've been other places and there's been voices in my head that says there's no use that it can't happen it won't happen it's impossibility there's been voices in my head that shot down my self esteem that said I will never amount to anything there's a voice of heaven that's contradicting that today that's saying I can make beauty out of broken things. I can make beauty out of broken things. Would you come, sir, ma'am, whoever you... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.